Welcome to Drunk Bauer, episode number 37. Um, I believe this is the first time in several weeks that we actually have all three of us here to record a podcast. Yeah, the last three podcasts had one member missing. As Breach (laughs) says, and as you heard a couple of minutes ago in our intro, let's go! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're all here. We're we're back. We're ready to fucking drink some beers. We're... I mean, I'm a few beers in already, if you can't tell. Oh, yeah, I'm, so, I'm, I'm many beers in. We, we just hopped a couple of custom rounds uh, in the Discord server, so we're fucking ready to hit this shit. Um, I mean, Cass was eating a piece of pizza earlier, and you couldn't even hear it as the listener. Isn't that insane? Because you're listening to my recording right now, most likely, which means oh, yeah, I have fucking oh, noise suppression, oh, suppression shade, on. The shade. <laughs> And I'd just like to say um, to all of the listeners, I'm so, so sorry that I was out of town uh, and you had to put up with chewing, moving around in the seat, hitting the vape, honestly, just breathing. You can hear in the podcast is absolutely ridiculous. It's funny. I didn't really mind it listening to it, but I guess those of you who are more sensitive to those, I didn't even notice all that much. And there were a couple of times I was like, hmm. Cass's noise suppression should be a little bit better here. He has no noise but. suppression on. Even though, like, he does have noise suppression on, it's not on. Yeah. It just doesn't oh. work somehow for Cass. Interesting. Got to be honest, I've never listened back to the podcast besides the very first episode. So, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, neither have I, but of course, I wasn't on the last couple of episodes, so I, I was like, well, I, I should try to listen to it. And, uh, God, yeah, some, see, some parts were brutal. Chase, just so uh, just so you know, uh, in fact, those weren't sounds Cass was making. When I'm editing the podcast, just to add a little extra flavor, I just record my own ambient sounds. Oh, okay, editing. okay. You just add them on top, so all of the podcasts have that. It's actually from me. Okay. <laughs> that would be well, so funny. Yeah. Well, I, I would just like like to say, like, I just had to bring that up. I've been saving it too, like. Cass yeah, just got back from his trip, one. and I I wanted so many times to be like, yeah, I listened to the podcast, and fuck your noise suppression sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so apologies to anyone that was bothered by that. I didn't think it was as big of a deal as Chase did. Honestly, there, there, it's not as bad as I'm making it seem. Like, there okay, are definitely, okay, like, you forget about it, but then you hear, like, a... <gasps> okay. In the background. <laughs> and you're like, well, okay, this is a... This is this is rough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> funny. Funny. Well, Hunter. What drink are you holding on to right now? Yeah, well, I got kind of a, a different one for me. Uh I when I was on vacation in North Carolina, the very first podcast when we were down to two members, um, we had some tequila with my buddies and they were like, Hey, do you want this? So I got the remains of a, a bottle of tequila. It's uh four Fortaleza. I don't know why that was so hard for me to pronounce. (laughs) But uh, I don't know. I'm really not a big tequila drinker. So I decided to make some uh, margaritas for myself. So I whipped up some simple syrup and I had lime juice on hand. So I'm making margaritas. No shit. That sounds pretty good. Mm -hmm. It is. They're very, very sweet and very limey. Well, tequila is not for me, but I. Good for you. The bottle of tequila looks like it has a golf ball as the cork. Yeah, it's supposed to be like a uh, it, agave like an agave. Thing. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like an agave yeah. plant. But it, oh. in the uh, yeah. in the uh, 
pixelated scene of Discord video calls. It's a uh, it's more of a golf ball from my perspective. So yeah, I understand that. Yeah. yeah. Or like one um, hop, you know? It looks like a hop. Oh, like an individual mm-hmm. hop. Yeah, I yeah. Can see that. Speaking of, Cass, you're probably drinking beer. What are you drinking? Yeah, uh, I'm drinking the same beer that you're drinking, which um, are beers that. Well, we fuck! Usually... I should have gone first then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Critical not, mistake. Yeah. Um, what a blunder. So when I came back from DC, I brought back some uh, volcano sauces with me. Um. <laughs> Okay, I have to interrupt right there. Funny story, Cass forgets that, like, I've lived in the general area of D.C. for the past two years when he hasn't. So I met up with Cass in person in D.C. He's like, yo, you gotta try this beer. It's it's so good. It's the volcano sauce. And I was like, dude, I had that in, like, episode, like, seven of the podcast or something. <laughs> like, I had that a long time ago, and I really liked it. I remember you having it because I remember us commenting on the name Volcano Sauce. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's a sick name. It's a pretty cool can, too. And mm-hmm. yeah, Cass is right. It's a delicious fucking beer. Yeah. yeah. I, um, like, so, number one, I didn't remember that because, like, oftentimes when you come out with, like, unique and interesting beers, I, I can't just go to the store and buy them. Mm-hmm. And so – I focus a lot more on your description of the beer and not the name of the beer. Fair. Uh, fair. So that I, because I can give you feedback on what I think the, whether I think the description sounds like something I would like or something I would not like. Um, I'd be curious to hear what my opinion was when you brought this up on the last podcast uh, or on the podcast that you did have this on. Now I could go back and listen to it. I don't know if I will. You won't. But like, (laughs) <laughs> the viewers could, I suppose. Uh, I'll, um, I'll see if I can find what episode it was for you. Yeah, but basically, I fuck with this beer. Um, mm-hmm. So the the first night that I was back in D.C., we went out to uh, the Aslan Beer Garden, um, and they had this beer, and I was like, I was looking at it, and I was looking at like the list of the sours. I was like, ooh, I want that one. Um, and they were like, yeah, sorry about that. We uh, We ran out. Um, and I was just so disappointed that like, they didn't have this beer. I was like, fuck dude. Now the rest of the sours don't even sound good. Like in in reference to the description of, uh, the volcano sauce. Oh, they didn't have, (laughs) I'm like, fuck dude. Now I can't have a sour. Um, like all the other ones are just going to be inferior to, to this one. And so I ordered just like a generic IPA and just went with that. Uh, and then the next day when I came back, they did have this. And I was like, holy fuck, that's delicious. And so I brought a bunch, or I brought like five of them back with me to Canada. And Jay's got to try one. Yeah. yeah. Now, I was thinking like, I haven't had this beer before, obviously. And Cass brought me back two, as I, I have two of them in front of me right now. Although this one I, I cracked a while ago, so it's getting a little bit warm. Uh, I'd also, at the time when I cracked this, had a full kokanee in front of me. Um. So I drank that too, and now the, this beer is not entirely cold. But uh, I'm surprised, Cass, that you haven't made the correlation to a certain sour that is available to us that this is almost identical to now that I'm tasting it. Like, I, I didn't think it at first, but maybe it's the fact of it being, like, a little bit warm that now I'm like, oh, shit. This is a Phillips Brewing Dino Sour. It's 
Okay, so the Phillips Brewing Dinosaur, I, I usually don't buy them in the Tall Boys, which are the Blackberry ones. I usually get the peach ones in the smaller cans. It's not the peach. It's the, it's yeah. The, they have three. They have like a peach, a blackberry, and a something else. Right. I so I have had the blackberry before, but I've only ever had one of them. But um, this is like the this is the blackberry dinosaur. Almost I'll, I'll exactly. To, okay, I'll have to go and get a blackberry sour and compare it. Um, it's it's yeah, a, the it's a very sauce does sweet, have blackberry in it. It's a very sweet yeah. sour. That's like you know very like kind of sugar forward but berry tasting, and this is exactly what it is. Um, I think that the volcano sauce like it definitely has a bit of a different taste. It's not to a T, but I'm thinking about it, I'm like fuck like this is very similar, uh, and I really like that beer too. So it makes sense that I also like the volcano sauce. So yeah, because I. Like I was saying, I usually get the the peach versions, which they only sell in the um the regular size cans, not the tall boys. Um, and I really like the peach ones, but I haven't. I've only ever had one of the blackberry tall boys, and I was pretty drunk when I had it. So like, I don't know if it was like I don't have a good like flavor comparison off the top of my head to compare it to. And I think the. Because I really do like the peach ones, I was probably comparing the blackberry sour to the peach sour and not viewing it as a separate entity. Mm, but now, now that you bring that up, I'm going to have to go and get a, get a tall boy can of that, uh, that blackberry dino sour and try it out. Yeah, I think, I think you should because it, it's fucking good, but so is this volcano sauce. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Um, really quickly, stuff, um, actually. Not I have two. I have one beer thing and one thing that I talk to you about, Cast. That's related to podcast and not Valorant. If I could hit those yes. two real quick. Yeah, yeah. So uh, first of all, it was episode fourteen where I had volcano sauce beer initially. Uh, th- I posted it on. I was that was back when I was posting the drinks on Reddit, and then I completely kind of abandoned the Reddit. And I have to figure out something to do with it because, uh, yeah, it wasn't really it wasn't getting much traction. So thankfully, it was the second to last episode I actually posted the drinks on Reddit, so it was really easy to look. Uh, so you can go back and check that to hear my opinion on Volcano Sauce before either Chase and Cass had uh, listened. And then secondly, unrelated to beer, uh, we reached what I think is a pretty cool milestone over the past week. And that is that we, um, we surpassed 10,000 total downloads of the podcast since its inception. Shit, and, uh, that's pretty dope. Yeah, I have some ideas for some like special things we could do for that. Uh, haven't cleared them with Chase. I mentioned the cast before, so stay posted for that. But thank you guys a lot. It's been super cool doing this. Yeah, I think we're also, I don't know exactly, but we're close to 100 members in the Discord. Ooh. Because, yeah, I'm um, going to be honest. I'd be doing this either way because it's always good to hop in a chat, drink some beers, and, and shoot mm-hmm. the shit. But it's... uh. Yeah, it's yeah, it's nice to know that like there there are people that are listening to it, and it's always a ton of fun interacting with like with everybody in the Discord, getting like custom games going, just like general tomfoolery. Yeah, and I'll I'll say on that note, uh, first of all, I absolutely agree, and second of all, I'm hopeful that over like the month of August will be a little bit more available. I know I will because I had two different like times away from my computer in over the past three weeks. Um, I'm hoping that it seems kind of like July was like vacation month for all three of us. 
And so hopefully we'll be able to be more consistently involved in the Discord and playing Val uh, than we were. Um, thankfully, we did have a custom right before this podcast, but we didn't have much in the weeks before that. So hopefully that will get going even more. Yeah, see, I, I think it was funny that you named the last one Vacationing on Breeze. Uh, and I guess you were on the beach too, but I was like fucking on the beach. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, this feels like I'm on Breeze <laughs> right now, except for not a lot of gunfire. Um <laughs> And no poison gas from the ever-present Vipers either. Yeah, well, we did see uh, Tesla launch a rocket, and we didn't know what it was, so everybody thought it was an ICBM headed for the States. We're like, fuck, did we miss (laughs) the the nuclear war that started? Um, We were all really wasted, and like it was the middle of the night, and there's just like a thing shooting horizontally across the sky in the distance, and we're like, holy shit, the U.S. is getting nuked. Um, Wow. And then we we Googled it, and it was like, Tesla launches a resupply mission to the ISS. So, you know, almost breeze. But... <laughs> okay, so kind of a non sequitur, but um, so I, I come home from the States. Like, I got in, like, this morning, right? Uh, super early in the morning. And, like, I get woken up by my phone just, like, blaring the alarm sound. Um, so I look over at it, and it's just, like, Active shooter in Langley. Oh, yeah, was that uh, like 6 a.m.? Yeah, 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 which is basically Langley is somewhere just like outside of Vancouver, just like general area-ish. Um, I was like, huh. I thought this was Canada. And then the more I'm thinking about it, I'm like, Langley's like an hour drive away. Why the fuck am I getting a notification? Like, If I was in the States, this would just be a Tuesday. Uh, it's just like <laughs> it, it, I, I just thought that was super interesting that like I'm quite a distance away from Langley and I get woken up in the middle of the night by an alarm being like ooh there's an active shooter in your not even general vicinity that's like wow dude if the states did this fucking everybody's alarm would be going off at all times yeah so what we decided is coming back together for the first time that we would make this now a political podcast and we'll be discussing <laughs> our solutions for gun violence in the US. No yeah we're we're going to go off with this is the most fucking localized Vancouver fucking humor ever. But I was literally talking about this with my coworkers today and because there's a later thing in the day we got another alert. My phone starts blaring and it says like pol- like RCMP which is the Canadian police have cleared the area it's safe to resume your da- your daily business and i go okay guys you know it, it's safe to be around in langley now and somebody yells back it's never safe to be around in langley <laughs> <laughs> which is really funny but you know extremely not funny to anybody that's not from vancouver or surrounding area so um <laughs> is langley like sketchy or is, or is that part of the joke it's like really farmland is? like oh, a lot of langley is like farmland kind of deal um it's, it- it's where Chase and I go to disc golf, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah. Anyway, so Valorant. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So, big, bold topic for today. Um, we're going to be discussing proactive versus reactive agent kits. And whether or not you think that the design of a character's kit, based off it being proactive or reactive has a direct impact on whether or not that character will or will not be meta. Oh, mm, okay. You're going to have to explain um, this a little bit more to me, but just so okay. that like in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about it. 
uh, are we going to be discussing Copenhagen? Because we got to fucking discuss Copenhagen. Whoa, 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 whoa. We, 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 we can get there. Trick question, bitch. That was not the key focus of, of this specific topic. No, uh, I, I know it's not, but, I, but that's, that's immediately that's what, what I thought you were going to be going towards. And so then yeah. I'm, I'm fine with, with going this other direction as yeah. long as we, you know, keep everybody intrigued and say, you know, stay tuned for our professional Valorant opinions. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And okay. me talking oh. some shit. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so to, to further get into this... um. Uh, the the way that I see this is like, it, okay, I, I I guess the exact like or like the the extremes of this example would be like dualist utility versus sentinel utility. Um, but then to take that a step farther, you have Sage, who is a character who needs to reactively throw her utility out. I, I guess you can preemptively put up walls but like yeah wall is a proactive piece of utility yeah 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 but But everything else is the rest of her kit is is um is reactive like you you literally can't even use the heal at the beginning of the round um unless one of your teammates takes fall damage and the slows don't last long enough for them to be useful unless you know they're going to be yeah right um on the other side of this spectrum you've got um like you've got jet who now needs to like preemptively pop her her dash if she wants to use it right and so like those those are like the extreme ends of uh, of each example but i'm wondering whether you you guys think that having a kit that is focused in that manner um alters how how meta an agent is and like if we're going to look at the same class here you've got a character like um like Omen, who can pretty much, as he chooses, decide to just pop a smoke, wherever that may be. Whereas Astra needs to get to safety, go into her astral form, place a star down, and then pop that smoke. And I'm wondering if you think those play styles create or basically drastically affect the meta, or whether an agent can be viable in any given role and it's just based off its kit and it has nothing to do with how preemptive or reactive their their kit needs to be see i haven't heard of characters being put into these two categories before but i really like them i I like thinking about different pieces of utility as proactive or reactive like it it's interesting i'm like going through like viper in my head and i'm like okay well i i think Viper is like a proactive agent uh, because you have to like lay the wall down. You have to place the orb, but then you can be reactive with Viper with mollies or even with the orb. Um, so a lot of it comes down to how you play it. But I think that like individual pieces of utility are really good at being lumped into these categories. I don't know if an agent per se is being really good at lumping into these categories. Like, say Chamber. Chamber is immediately what everybody's coming to mind with reactive play, right? And at least it came into my mind immediately because everyone's like, oh yeah, like that's the entire point of fucking Chamber, being able to op and shit. But then the traps are proactive. 
right? The placing down your teleports is proactive. So yeah. is he proactive or reactive as a character? That's a difficult question. Yeah, and I, I agree with what you're saying, Chase. It's a little bit hard to, you know, put an entire agent in one of those boxes. And I almost wonder, Cass, if there is sort of a third category for what you're saying when you say, oh, is there a benefit to being proactive or reactive? Like, does that push an agent more into the meta? I wonder if agents get a boost in the meta if their utility can be used both reactively and proactively. Because I, I'm, you know, when it comes to reactive, my first thought was also Sage. Um, and Sage has a role in the meta, but not a huge role. It really depends on the map. Like Icebox, obviously Sage is kind of a must pick. Um, but on most other maps, not so much. It's like she has a reasonably healthy role, but a bit on the lighter side. And a lot, a lot of that is, you know, all the Sentinels besides Chamber are being pushed down by Chamber's dominance. Um, uh, yeah, but even before end. Chamber came out. Sorry, keep, yeah. keep going. Yeah, I was going to say on the opposite end, the, 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 it's funny because you said that because that's where I was going next. That I thought of the most proactive agent is probably Yoru. Because, like, if you don't have a TP set up already, if you're like, oh, shoot, I want to TP out of this position or I want to TP into this position... Like, you can't do that if you haven't already planned ahead for that. And likewise, the uh, the Yoru decoy, because it doesn't block bullets. Like, if you just, like, throw that down when someone's in your face and, like, peek behind it, you're, like, you're just going to get shot and die. So once again, you have to make a plan with that before you actually do it. The flashes, you could kind of say, by nature of a flash, it could go either way. But essentially, Yoru is very proactive, but is has a sm very small role in the meta. Sage is very reactive, but also, but has a much more, has like a small to average role in the meta. So I don't, so I almost wonder if maybe the agents that are there, like you mentioned Omen and Astra, who are bigger in the meta than either Sage or Yoru, uh, benefit from being able to use their utility in a variety of ways. Or like Chase mentioned, Viper. Um, maybe that flexibility is really the key thing. See, I think you're, you're on the right track here, Hunter. Um, I was going to bring up Cypher, but I think Yoru is a better oh, okay. example um, of being really proactive. Cy Cypher is also extremely proactive. You have to set up things beforehand. Yeah. However, you can, like if you're a really good Cypher and like at the top top level of playing Cypher, um, your cages specifically can be very well used reactively. Um, but the other, like the, the trap wires and the uh, camera are obviously proactive utility. Astra is a good example too because there is nothing I think that can be used reactively. And yeah. if you are yeah. using it reactively, you have to be insanely fast with it. And, and you have to go through an amount of steps that I think you're verging on proactive anyway. Right. And it's like, yeah. if you are going to attempt to use Astra's kit in a reactive manner, like, you're you're putting yourself in grave danger by nature of having to enter Astral form. Well, uh, I think I think the point that Chase is making about it all, it kind of looping around a proactive that I'm thinking of is, like, you're on defense. You know, it's a full A hit from the other team. 
you're uh, in mid and you have another team who's watching mid, you can throw down some stars to sort of delay that push. But still, like, your star placement still has the proactive element of, like, by the time I get the stars down, the enemies will have moved because it takes so long. So I have to imagine where they will be by the time I can pop these stars to make it valuable, which is where it kind of loops back around being proactive. Yeah, if you and don't you're not already really have grave danger in that situation. If you don't already have yeah. stars down, then you're probably going to be placing stars on like default plant instead, which is then proactive for where they're going to be. Mm. Um, right. Yeah. You can't really play it re- reactively, where it's like, oh, they're here. I'm gonna flash here. I'm gonna smoke here. Um, yeah, yeah. I was just kind of pushing back on the idea of her being in grave danger because if you're in defense in that situation, you're not necessarily in particularly right, much right. danger. Yeah, but yeah. like I, I feel like at that point, it's no longer reactive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely proactive. But I think that Hunter's really onto something when he's saying that it's if you're in the middle, if you're able to use it well, that you become more meta. Like you, if you can use it on both ends of the spectrum there, because. All of these agents that we've described, even Astra now, right, because she's so proactive, is not in the meta, right? Cypher, Sage, Yoru, Astra, all not meta picks. I feel like I saw a decent amount of Astra at Copenhagen. I feel like Astra and Sage are both in the, like, slightly below average tier, where, like, they have a role, but they're not... Meta like there are certain percent. maps where they're played on, yeah. and not even every team plays them on those maps, right? Like there are other comps that teams prefer. So I I don't think that they're they're not completely out of the meta. They're not fucking Phoenix, but yeah, yeah I, feel, I feel like I feel like there's five tiers here. Tier one is like must pick on most maps, which is like chamber right now only. Tier two is like. Uh, very solid role across maps. Tier 3 is, like, situational for maps, which is what with Sage and Astra. Tier 4 is just, your is like, Yoru, Neon, and Cypher and KJ, probably. And then Tier 5 is Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tier 5 is definitely <laughs> Phoenix. And maybe yeah. Reyna. Yeah, you could, yeah, I don't think, Ray, was Reyna picked at all at Copenhagen? I don't think she was. Yeah, I don't know what the pick rates for agents were. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying to think about like normal play as well as just pro play. But yeah, it's hard because, you know, you you don't really pick anyone for their... You pick them in, in ranked play because you fucking like them. Um, <laughs> I feel like meta kind of relates to pro play by yeah, definition. Definitely. Meta. Yeah. Okay, but like... And yes, it trickles to... down, but like not not. Yeah, yeah, I was just like, yeah, there, there's definitely there's definitely some trickle down effect here. Yeah, and that's one of the things I wanted to push back on from the last podcast I just listened to that uh, I wasn't able to uh to, to comment on, and now now here's my opportunity is uh Cass saying that people were waiting for the pro meta to develop before playing Pearl. I was like, no, no one fucking cares. Uh, Thank you, Chase. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Um, at at most, at most Cass cares about the pro meta, and he. I was like, Cass, you're talking about yourself right now. You want to see what the pros do before you fucking play it, but nobody else gives a shit. Well, yeah, I, I've played it. I got no problem. Like, I I don't dodge maps with the exception of maybe Breeze. Yeah, but that's not a. Uh, you, that's a separate thing. It's like you don't dodge maps is a separate point from you would like to see the pro meta on Pearl before you develop strategies. 
Yeah, I guess. I mean, like, I, I okay. I, I, I don't know. Pearl's interesting because, and like, obviously we're we're getting off topic here, but no, I did that. Like, with, yeah. With, yeah. Okay. With uh, <laughs> with, with, with the other maps, um, I, I I find that like when I'm playing the maps, I I have a good understanding of like what it is that I want to do with the given agent that I'm playing. Um, and keep in mind that the given agent I'm playing is either chamber or jet. Um, but like, I, I feel like I've got a good idea of like what I should be doing to benefit my team. Um, and I have a general feel for how this map is going to play out. And I found that in my brief stint playing unrated on Pearl, I have yet to play a comp game on that map, but, um, it was all over the place. And I feel like I, I don't really know what it is that I want to do, given the agents I play, what my play style is. And like, even though I don't like breeze much as a map, I know what it is that I should be doing. And I know what it is that I want to be doing. And that was, that was true from the get go. But and again, may, maybe I'm from the in get-go? a situation. Well, maybe not quite from the get-go, but like. Because I remember distinctly many games of Breeze. If you'd be like, "Oh, I have no idea how to play this map, dude." <laughs> I remember a lot yeah, of white months, games. months <laughs> into into playing Breeze. You'd be like, "Fuck, yeah. I don't know how to attack on this map at all." Yeah, well, yeah. I still don't. Like, I know what it is. <laughs> I thought that you I said you do what to do. do. Oh no, no, no! It's just like. No, but I have an idea of what, like, it is that, like, I want to do and what it is that I should be doing, and I don't know how to do it on this map because I don't like it. But, oh, like, I'm a oh, like, confused. I... I'm not going to lie. Okay, let me put it this way. Idealized world. Yeah. I'm a fucking god. I don't miss shots. Okay, actually, hold on. No, no, that's taking it a step too far because if that was the case, I'd just walk into sight and just fucking click heads. But... Okay, I missed some shots, but I'm feeling it, and I'm going to use my utility to push my way forward or keep people off of where it is that I want them to get on defense, and I'm going to get my job done, right? I have this idealized sense of, like, what it is that I should be doing in the given context, and then I find that on Breeze, I don't like the angles, um, I don't like the way the map plays out, and... I can't reach that idealized vision of what it is that I should be doing. But on um on Pearl, I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what the idealized sense of how I should be playing the game is. And now we're we are perhaps in a situation where the two characters that I play being Jet and Chamber are just not going to be great on that map. Chamber's going to be great in his current state, and you know it. Yeah, but he's also about to get fucking hit with fucking massive dick of riot. Just fucking slam down to obscurity. I I hope not. As much as I want to see Chamber nerfed, I hope Riot doesn't mess this up and ruin him. Yeah, obviously. I, I, I want to see Chamber in maps. I just don't want to see him in every map. Yeah. Well, Cass, if, if I could provide a, a little bit of, uh, you know, something that might give you something to chew on, 
something to to contemplate when it comes to Pearl based on my experience on the map is um, the Riot developers, when removing Split in exchange for Pearl, one of the things they said was um, basically we think that Split is, in addition to having some people not liking it, it has the most similarities to Pearl in terms of basically the map design philosophy. And being a very outspoken you know, hater of Split, such as I am, you would think that means I don't like Pearl, but I, I think they're talking very big picture here, so I really, I really do like it. But um, where I'm, where I'm, what I'm getting at here when it comes to strategy cast is that the biggest thing I've appreciated is that, like Split, mid is the key to the map. On Pearl, it's less of a, like, narrow choke point of Split, but similarly, like, if you gain, if you as the offense can push all the way through mid on split or pearl, now you have multiple avenues to both sites as well as two defender spawn. Yeah, and but so on it just defense, opens up the map. Okay, but on defense, I cannot mid very effectively. Yeah, sure, but you don't like opping mid on split either. I have no problem opping mid on split. I just don't do except it. For the, except for all the times you say, oh, I really don't want to opt mid on split. Because I feel like I just get fucking smoked off every goddamn time. Well, yeah, because opting oh, mid okay. on split is a good place to opt, typically. Yeah, yeah, like, right, I, I so, like, like, what's the, what's the like, difference? If okay, you... the difference is I'm trying to go anti-meta. Like, I have no problem opting mid on split. I just feel okay, like okay. it gets, it get, it, it just, like, I just get fucking smoked off every time I go there with an op. And so, I'd rather go to to A main or, or, or B garage and try to get an early pick that way and gamble on where I feel like the enemy's going to push. Whereas I find that I just get insta smoked off mid. Okay. Again, I'm going to push back a little bit, but also turn into cast for a second and bring up a thinking man Valorant video, um, which I've watched now one, and this is the one I'm going to bring up, but uh, thinking man's Valorant did a video of the first professional game played on Pearl, uh, which was in like a Knights Weekly. And the way that he was describing it makes a lot of sense. And he didn't even bring up Split as a similarity. He said that, fuck, which one's A, which one's B on Pearl? Is B uh, the B, long? B, B, A is the, yeah, A's the B, one B, with B, dugout. Long. A is the one yeah. with dugout. Wait, yeah. A is long. Wait, B is long, A is dugout? Okay, yes. Yeah. So B site is B site icebox. And A you don't site. Don't go there unless you need to? Well, that's not really how B site icebox works out necessarily. Okay, so basically the, he broke it down as B site is icebox, A site is haven. Mm. That's oh, That makes a lot of sense. And mid is. I mean, kind of, kind of split down the middle too, because you have you have a place where if you're going down that lane to to uh, B site on Pearl, it's similar to Kitchen on Icebox, and it's like similar to going through mid, like through B site on uh, on Haven to get to A. Um, like the way that they're laid out is actually extremely similar, and that's interesting. It was funny because he the first game that was played or the game that he chose to, to show during this video, was one where both teams had two completely different team comps. One that was kind of a standard Haven team comp, and one that was a standard Icebox team comp. 
And he was like, I'm just going to think that, you know, this team's going to have more success attacking this site or defending this site and, you know, vice versa. Um, which I think was a really interesting way to put it and has a fuck ton of similarities. Like, it's basically as if you just took those two maps and made them, like, put them next to each other. Okay, I guess the one, the one like, kind of counter that I have to that thought process is, like, I feel like when you're playing Haven, a lobby control is something that, like, you need to at least feign every round. Like, you you need to... Like, you need to deal with a lobby as an entity on attack. Whereas, I feel like on Pearl, like, the A main route isn't necessarily something you need to mess with. No, he was comparing it to C site on Haven. Like, A site on Pearl is C site on Haven, where you have oh, a long. C... Wait. And you what? have. B site on Haven. What? Okay, now you've lost me. I well... thought you said A site Haven. No, sorry, I, 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 I didn't actually say a site before because I yeah, couldn't remember. Um, mm. But now I'm remembering that it was C-Site because art is similar to Garage. Okay. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, but there's not that, like, I feel like the defining thing of C-Site Haven is the long corridor to get there. Whereas Which there's not really that. to B-Site Pearl. Yeah. That part yes. seems a little weird to me. But the way that in which you approach it is similar. And obviously, like, if you want to get a better fucking description of this, because I'm not, I'm not going to be the one that's going to tell you the good, good description. Go watch the fucking video. Yeah. Um, well, I can't watch the video right fucking now. No, no. But I'm just, just trust, trust me, and trust no the, balls. trust the inner you that's like, oh yeah, Thinking Man's Valorant's got to be right. Yeah. <laughs> I I feel like I just think he often brings up really interesting points, not so much that he's always right. Yeah, but... no, I thought I thought it was very interesting that that he made this comparison and came up with a lot of ways in which it was. And obviously, like the long sight line on C long is different, but there's still a long approach and then a split approach, like through art slash quote unquote garage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then basically, he was saying mid, if the other team is on an eco, stay the fuck out of mid. Anyway, <laughs> he's like, you're just going to get like thriftied if yeah. you go into mid and they have worse we weaponry than you. Uh, cause it's like huh. a great equalizer of a million different small angles. Mm -hmm. Which yeah, I was I like, like, okay, like I've yeah. played two comp games on Pearl and I've been thinking like, okay, I'm going to stay out of the fucking mid. They got like 3000 credits this round, not going there. Interesting. Yeah, I also I also find mid to be very to have a very cool design when it comes to attacker versus defender side balance because if you're going from attacker side to double doors to B, the defender spawn barrier by double board by double doors is so far back that you can kind of creep up to double doors from I don't know the the call out, but not like top mid, the closest entryway before the defender can get to double doors. So I've been like shot by someone that I didn't expect to be like right at double doors because they just like knife out walked there before I could peek it. So like on that angle, I feel like that initial duel favors the offense. Whereas on the defensive side, I feel like there are a lot of different options you have as the defense to hold art. 
Um, and so I feel like if you focus on that as defense, that's a little bit more on the defender sided method of things. Except when I'm on offense and I'm pushing it with a stinger because, oh boy, you're screwed at that point. It's, it's, it's perfect. It's a perfect stinger uh, engagement right there. That's true. Mid is like stinger paradise. Well, not like, I mean, if someone peeks me from art when I'm in top mid, then it's not. But like, if I get into art. Yeah, no, if, oh, you, if you get past. You like, better have good life insurance. If you get past <laughs> mid main, it's pretty good unless yeah. someone peeks you like down that long corridor. Right. Yeah, I, I don't. My, my problem is like, I find the Pearl doesn't have a lot of those. Like, it doesn't have those ego duel setups, right? No, yeah, like, we, we were over this in the, in the first podcast yeah. where we talked about Pearl. However, that was the one where fucking ninety percent of our Pearl content got cut out by bad recording. So who knows if we actually talked about it? Okay, well, like, yeah. you know, okay, so like, it, it's one of the things that I like about Belong. Um, assuming somebody's actually fucking holding it on the other side when I'm on attack, it's like I can go here and I'm gonna whip my dick out, and we'll see if you're also gonna whip your dick out, and we can have a fucking fair gunfight. <laughs> And, like, that, that, that's how I feel about, like, whenever I peek uh, a tree from, like, uh, B-Link on, like, Ascent, or vice versa. It's, yeah. like, there is one angle that I'm going to be swinging into, and there is one angle that they are going to be watching and or also swinging into. Because, unlike mid-Pearl, when, like, I find the problem with mid-Pearl is, like, if I swing out of art to try to take a duel to whatever that other attacker's entrance into mid is that we don't know the call-out for, versus, like, top mid. Um, I'm exposing myself to top mid while I do that. Or if I'm trying to take that dual top mid, a person could walk out of the other entrance to mid and just get an angle on me. Whereas I feel like a bunch of these other maps have areas where it's like, there is one angle and one angle only that either of us are going to be at. Let's have this duel. I guess that explains also why you don't like Breeze, because Breeze is also very non, you know, standard in that in that regard. That there's not just one one to one duels off barrier drop. Unless you're talking about Titty to Caves. Yeah, well, I was saying like, yeah, but I, even I like then, that. like what what angle from Titty are they peeking, and which Titty? Well, there's <laughs> like, it's, one, it's there's not the one. one. You know which yeah, one? There's, there's, yeah, it's right titty. Like yeah. we all know what we're talking about here. We're talking well, I mean, right yeah, titty you, caves. You can peek that, but you can also peek from like the middle. You yeah, but they, from but, yeah, but then yeah. they won't see you on that initial engagement. Right, they're not going to see me on the initial swing. Yeah, and therefore, like, right, if, right. if they're not if they're not at right titty, and like, yes, they could timing me. They could hide behind the titty until I've cleared that, and then gone on to look for the next angle, and then they swing out from right titty. Like, yeah, that's possible, but, like... More often, you're going to back off if you don't find also, that Also, yeah, that's, just like, that's yeah. Just like small dick energy if you're going to do that. Like, fucking take the duel off barrier drop. Um, And then, like, on, on B-Site, like, there's the... There's window. The, yeah, there's, like, window. So, like, if you got confidence, you can swing me from window. Or if I don't get a dual window... Like, if I'm on defense, right, and, like, let's say I'm standing on top of that back pillar because I'm chamber jet, and I don't get a dual window in, like, the first two to three seconds of the round, then I can back off, block off the angle from window so nobody from window can see me, and then hold main. 
right? But the point is you can isolate these angles more effectively. Whereas I find that that's not necessarily the case on Pearl. Like, yeah, I, Pearl, I you just Pearl, have to move a lot more to get a duel. Yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, number one, you've got to move a lot more. Number two, I feel like Pearl might not just be like a super meta op map. Like, obviously, there's the B-Long. Like, there's B-Long that you can hold very effectively with an op. But, like, I feel like it's, it, it's a lot harder on that map to mix it up. Um, whereas most other maps have good mix-ups for when you're trying to op. It's crazy how similar B-Side is to Icebox. Yeah. Like, in may, not... Ignore where, like, spawn barriers are. And then, like, the actual design of it is insanely close. I don't I I feel like on defense, I think there's so many more things I have to worry about when I'm trying to hold B on Icebox than I do on Pearl. Is on there? Pearl, I feel like it's very straightforward. Because... It's super easy to know if you've crossed towards ramp or not in Pearl. Like, there's so many different places I can be and watch that watch that angle. And you're forced to swing out of one spot and one spot only. Whereas B-Side Icebox, you can go through that little garage area or you can go through the main way. I don't know what else you call it. Um... True, but imagine if you have pushed your way up to that place, to the quote-unquote yellow spot, or to top of ramp, which would be the equivalent spot on Pearl. Um, oh, but, but getting to yellow is way more... No, I like, said... That, ig- the, I preface this with ignore spawn barriers. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Because it has that same L shape to the site, right? And you still, like, default plant is in the corner of the site, and there's a high and a low angle to peek from on defender side from there. Like, it's very, very fucking similar. And if you were to, like, be in that same spot at the top of ramps and be looking toward attacker spawn, they could peek you from either, like, high pillar or low. Okay, I, I now see what you're saying, but I don't think it's fair to ignore where the spawn barriers are. Because I think the location of the spawn bears are incredibly relevant to this. Uh, I feel like the way that you play it, it just ends up being very similar. Perhaps? I haven't played it a ton enough to like really hearken in on that, but... I don't know, Hunter, what are you, what are you thinking? Uh, I'll be perfectly honest and say that I had an idea for something to discuss in the in the future, like later on in this episode, and I was doing some math for it. So I was only half paying attention. Can you remind me of what the question was again? Oh, like it was just similarities between B side icebox and B side on Pearl. Um, I was saying like yeah, what, yeah, yeah. What do you, what do you? Think? Yeah, yeah. I think I think Pearl is really interesting because it's so long, but it's also so wide. <laughs> it's so long and so thick. Um. <laughs> It's uh especially with that little cubby there as well. It feels to me like obviously it's similar to Icebox, but definitely distinct. And you can obviously get to the long section so much faster. Whereas with Icebox, 
especially if you're dealing with defenders who have vertical mobility. You have to worry about the corridor to get to yellow before you can go from yellow to sight. Whereas with Pearl, you can just push right away. Um, and on the on the lines of what Chase was saying earlier in terms of icebox comps working well on Breeze, like a Viper wall on B of uh, icebox can be really effective to cut things off. But like on Pearl, it's very hard to get a wall that allows you to plant and also um, cuts off lines of sight. I like, don't think it is. I really hard disagree there. Really? Yes. Can you cut off holes and also plant with a Viper wall from like pre-barrier drop? I don't think so. I don't play Viper, but can you get it there from uh, that place that goes into mid uh, toward B-site? I'll, I'll have to check. I'll have to check. Because um, it seems like you yeah. probably would be able to. I think you can. That's fair. I That's think fair. I okay. think you'd probably be able to go diagonal across the site and leave that little corner, like at default box. What is Very, default box? Default box is like directly right around that corner. Oh, it's the close one. Yeah. That's a shit plant spot. Default box should be the one on the other. Not side if you of got a plant. viper. Not if you got a viper wall that cuts off all of the lines of sight, except for maybe heaven, which it would be the same on. Yeah, but it, it's it's fucking nice impossible. To, like, okay, but the difference is you have to get around that corner to plant the spike. It's fucking impossible to hold without having sight control. The difference on icebox is you can hold default plant without having full sight control. Because you can hold it from you can hold it from B Wong, you can hold it from behind yellow. You can't do that on Pearl. On Pearl, when you plant in the default spot, they can be enough behind that angle that you need to swing way the fuck out to be able to get them off spike. I think that's actually a dog shit plant spot. Like, well, I mean, the plant should be you cross over to that B hall area and you plant right there. Halls is very, very difficult to get to. You have to, yeah, you have to like, clear infinitely more angles. And there are well, infinitely yeah, more have, angles for people to pe- peek you from if, you, well, if they're it, but, coming but to sight. If you, get, if you get the Viper wall to go all the way across and cut that off, now you just need to deal with somebody swinging you from halls or swinging you through the Viper wall. Yeah, okay, or or you just get one that, that blocks off just the door of halls and you can plant out in the open maybe with a sage wall that that blocks off people spamming you down. Like, I, I don't know, I, I think what you're currently calling default box is a fucking horrendous plant spot. And like, should we'll not see from my experience on Pearl that that does seem to be the default plant spot. It's just like, you, you, you need so much more site control to be able to stop and contest defuse. On that but that's spot. true for a lot of defaults. A lot of defaults yeah. are not ideal for defending. Like for example, we're no, talking no. about Haven. Haven yeah, Seaside. If you plant, Haven, if you yeah, plant in the corner there between, not like for long, but you plant in the corner like of the boxes on site, that is default, and that is pretty hard to defend. And but, but, like you shouldn't really plant there in most cases, but like that is okay, default. Okay, but I feel like there, there are two key components here. Number one, you can't plant default Seaside Haven without having at least half control of that site. And number two, you can defend that from main, from like the C main area. Okay, but you could you could not plant toward halls on or on Pearl. That's insane. To try to plant in the open toward halls 
no, no. I'm not trying to plant towards halls. I'm trying to plant, like, in the back area, right? Like, that back U-shaped area. I think that's, like, you need a ton of fucking sight control to be able to do that. Yeah, I don't think you could plant B without having full sight control, which is, I think is a huge difference in in style from Icebox. On Icebox, well, one, you can just fucking pop yeah. a sage wall up, get that plant down, and you can hold that without having ever stepped any farther into the quote-unquote site. Site being literally where you're allowed to plant the spike. Like, you can, that can be the farthest you ever advance and effectively hold that area and defend the other team from defusing. Well, Cass, I think one thing that you're neglecting is that the rotates on Pearl are pretty long. So if you can get the Viper wall that Chase is saying you can do, which I'll take his word for that it's possible. Um, and I have no idea. This is, com- this get... is complete conjecture. Yeah, yeah. I haven't really looked into it that much. Um, so if you rush to get Spike Plant in what we're calling default now, like, yes, you it's not ideal for holding it. However, you also can get Spike Plant down very quickly, which means that time is much more on your side than it would be for most Spike Plants on most sites on most maps. And so that's that's sort of the equalizing factor, especially given that you have that time to then position further as needed. Okay. So, looking at the map, um, which, which I currently have shared live on my screen, if you guys care to tune in for that, um, you can definitely get a Viper Wall to, to cut across in the manner which Chase was saying, to block off what we're currently calling default. Yep. And, there, but, and there's no place to fucking plant long like you're talking about. That's stupid. No, no, you plant, you, you plant over by behind this box over here. And it requires you to get, yes to the back area of sight, but you can also get a Viper Wall that gets you across there. In the same manner which you're saying, just cut off a little sliver, you can just cut off a bit more of the sight. And that blocks all the angles that defenders are going to be holding from their quote-unquote spawn area. And then the only thing you need to contest with is anybody behind screens and anybody in what I'm currently going to call U-Haul, because I don't know what else to call it, but it's the back sight area. Anywhere you can plant, as well. Yeah. You you can plant in this behind the safety of the box that is there on the back of the site. And that's you can hold that from main. From behind the middle pillar in the center of B main. You can hold that from ramps. You can hold that from that cubby. You can have control of U-Haul and and um delay people through that. But if you plant behind the the quote unquote default box there, there's no way to hold that without having massive sight control. Like it, 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 I think the key thing is you're saying massive sight control, but realistically, if you use the Viper wall to get into halls and then you take halls, that's really all the control that you need. Because, you know, if you can peek out of the defender side of halls, then you can completely stop people from even getting into position to get the defuse. Okay, is... For my personal reference here, is this what we're calling halls? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, but at that point, if you can get to halls, why in the fuck not put the Viper Wall down and just plant in where I'm saying you should plant? So I think by, by well, because this then your team is the more fucking split same. up than it should be. Yeah, my, my point. my point is that, like, the thing is, if you're planning on holding from long, 
in your scenario where you plant behind the box by hall, like with the box by halls, then you have people watching from long to the spike. You have people pushing into halls and then you should probably have at least one person dedicated to watching the flank. Because if you get, fl- if you get flanked while you're in cubby or around mid pillar on B, so not mid pillar, just pillar on B like long, then you're screwed. So like your team has to be so spread out to be able to hold that effectively. Whereas like, if you plant default and then have some people buy like screens, maybe one by pillar and the rest of the team in halls, then you can be much more playing together off of that plant. But you play together in halls off the other plant that I'm suggesting. And number one, yeah, but if, if you play together in halls off the other plant, there's no benefit to planting there. I mean, the more difficult spot to plant. Okay. But if you're, but see, I don't think that's necessarily the more difficult spot to plant, but also it absolutely is. If you're playing, it absolutely screens, it is. Yeah. Like, you have no fucking cover at screens from where the defenders are coming from. Screens only gives you cover from, like, if you're getting flanked. Well, you you have cover from CT if you're on the one side, and you have cover from uh, mid on the other side. So, like, yeah, it's not a perfect place to be, but if you have complementary angles from the rest of your team, anybody going heaven, Anybody going heaven can see you on either side of screens. Yeah, and then you can just take that duel. Like, my, my point is that, like, it's not a good spot if you're in a 1v3. If it's one of your, if if you're playing there while the rest of your team has aggressive angles that they're holding, then it's a good spot. But if it's a three v one, you can play there. <laughs> Even if it's a three v two, you can play there. <laughs> That's my point. Yeah. Okay, so proactive versus reactive agents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm realizing we're getting a bit into the nuances of the map, and if you're like driving and listening to this podcast or something, it's probably tough for you to follow. So probably good to take a step back from this. We'll see how this develops. I know. I just think what you guys are currently calling default is just going to be not where you ever want to plant. In the same way as also on Haven C Long, you don't want to ever plant default unless you're absolutely forced to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's uh, what default I love, is. I love, it's the, e- it's it, the that easiest is place what to default plant is, and I think that it's stupid that this is an argument because all yeah. I did was call it default to try to describe a strategy. Right. Right. I feel like default is, like, the expected plant spot. Is that not the case? Yeah, but expected as you go up in rank. Doesn't necessarily mean easiest. No, I mean, yes. (laughs) So, fuck, fuck, are we going to get into this? Okay. Uh, (laughs) Expected often comes from low ranks from not knowing how to play the game very well. Where is the spot where you first see the map and you're like, that's where you fucking plant. That's usually default. Regardless, like how many times do you plant default C long on, on Haven? This is the best example that I can think of. Rarely. Personally, never. Exactly. And rarely does your team ever plant there. Yet, that's still default, and you call it default. The terminology is that because when you look at the site, you're like, oh, that has a lot of cover. That's where you're going to fucking plant, right? And so both once you gain knowledge about the map, you realize, oh, that's not a very good plant spot. But you're still going to call it default. That's just the fucking name of it now. Yeah, and I would I would add on to that in addition to like the it being the first place you see as a good spot to plant when you're learning the map. It's also that... If you have the spike, you're on site, and 
the area that is easier to defend, you can't safely plant in it. So in the case of Haven C Long, your team does not have control of, of back side of C. It can make sense to plant in default so that you don't get shot while planting the spike and you get the spike down quickly so that time pressure is more on your side. I, I'd be curious to hear pro comms. Yeah, like I mean, in general, or, yes. Well, well in, in general, <laughs> yes, but also like, I'm now thinking specifically for default callouts when like they're calling like, Oh, they're default. And like, I'd like to, I'd like to see how that matches up with in my head, what I call default. Just watch any like streamer, right? They fucking play ranked all, all day. They fucking call out default and it's not where you might plant the spike. Like, okay, here's another one. Icebox a site default is not a very good plant spot. Yeah. But you know exactly what I mean when I say default. Yeah, I'm thinking right where the jump up is into nest. <laughs> I mean, right. y- well, yes. Yeah, is that not what you're thinking? Yeah, I mean, of in in, in the corner on the right hand side of the uh, below nest. Between yeah, like, yeah, the, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. That's yeah. default. Everyone yeah. knows that is fucking default. If you say default, that's where you think it is. But it's a fucking terrible spot to to plant because you can't hold it from anywhere but on site. Now, if I could uh, piggyback you know, off of something, Chase, <laughs> if I could piggyback off of something that Chase said earlier, um, I suggest we move back to the initial topic. Yeah, please I think do. This one is uh, yeah, yeah, which is yeah, the yeah, yeah. proactive versus reactive and how that affects agents being meta. Uh, can I, can I call for an intermission first though? Kind of got to go to the bathroom here. Sure. I don't know how Hunter's going to edit this podcast, but getting back to the proactive versus reactive argument, I, I was actually going to say that I think that, um, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the agents that are just very reactive are, are kind of losing their, 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 like, their place because it it seems to me like a lot of the the pro strategies have devolved into we have devolved or an understanding i guess evolved either or um no i guess i guess evolved would be the correct one into this this is how we're going to set up and this is what we want to do and there's obviously going to be value and as chase pointed out way towards the beginning of this podcast just because your agent leans towards one or the other doesn't mean that like your utility necessarily like a a given piece of utility can't lean in the opposite direction um and so kind of like a lot of what i've been seeing especially at like the the pro play is this is a setup this is what we're going to try to do and if it doesn't work we've got these protocols to fall back on um, like if, if plan A doesn't work, then we switch over to plan B and if plan B doesn't work, we maybe have a plan C or at that point, then yes, it just becomes very reactive. Um, but it, but it, it definitely seems like the, the, the agents who have, I guess, less of the reactive utility are are getting more of a a spotlight in the meta. Well, that's just is, called but, fucking strategy. 
Like, I, what you're saying is, oh, we've planned things out. And, and but like, again, as I'm saying, like, I, I, I think that's leading to what is and what is not becoming the, the pro meta to the point where I feel like if they were to release an agent, theoretically, who on paper was very good, but has a lot of reactive utility. I'm not sure how much value or how much playtime they would see at a at a at a high level. Yeah, well, I don't think I, this I agree. creating makes a lot of sense. Go ahead, go ahead, Jason. Well, I would say I agree, but not for the same reason. I'm thinking more along the lines of what Hunter and I were saying earlier that the agents in which they're able to use their utility in both a proactive and a reactive way are the most useful and the most meta in which you can still have these like setups, these strategies with your agent's utility, but then you also have utility or you can use that same utility in a way that if your opponents react in a different way than you expected, or your like initial setup doesn't go as planned, then you're able to react to that situation very well, very quickly and still use your utility to great effect. That's where you get agents like Raze, who has become extremely meta right now, um, where God, you can, where you can have a lot of setups that are completely proactive, right? You have grenade lineups, you have like combos with the uh, the fade tether and the and the nade. You have boombot lineups. You have like blast pack lineups for getting into sight, right? But also you can use it reactively. Whereas you can black pack, blast pack out of an angle, right? That you might be trapped in. You can nade yourself to, uh, to clear an angle that you believe somebody is holding. Any anything like that, right? Uh, in order to give yourself cover, there are both proactive and reactive ways to use that utility, and that is, I mean, in the way that we're saying it, that is a reason why she's so meta right now. Yeah, I, I think that her reactivity with her kit is a plus, but it is not why she's meta. I think she's meta solely for the proactivity of her kit. The thing is, everything that everybody's counter-stratting everybody at the pro level. And so none of them actually expect their plans to go exactly as planned. And when they do, it's sick, and you can see the whole thing execute. But that's not every round of a game. That's like one round per half, maybe, where you see somebody like execute a plan and it goes fucking perfectly, and you're like, "Holy shit, what did they cook up?" Right? Yeah. It, when you're watching a pro game, but that most rounds, they have something at the start. It doesn't really give them much, much, and then, I mean, what is it? Brazilian casters have this term that's like. It's not exactly this, but it, it's something like called Street Valorant. And it's like things just devolve into playing Street Valorant. <laughs> oh, oh, it gets very pubby, would be the American. Yeah, but like oh, they, they call it like, you know, a, a version of that, but probably in Portuguese, you know? But, uh, you know, shit just gets wild. And, and having an agent that allows you to get out of those situations or at least effectively make use of those situations where things are just going off everywhere. Nobody has strategy anymore. Um, that in itself is its own strategy. There's your reactive utility. 
But like, okay, and I'm like, I'm not saying everything needs to go perfectly, but like, with with your with your boombot lineup, with your nade lineup, and then your blast pack rollout, optimally, you would get in, you would get a kill or two, and then still be alive to hold down a certain angle. But even if things don't go perfectly, right? Like, okay, now and let's say you don't get dish headshot out of the air while you're blast packing in you for the most part have accomplished your goal and your team can still have what what it is that they're planning on executing after that without you necessarily having gotten like perfect strategy execution because maybe you got counter strated maybe they knew where you were blast packing to and someone was waiting there shorty in hand just preemptively spamming crouch waiting for you to land and then destroys you, and then you die. But you you still cleared off an angle with your boom, or you still cleared off angles with your boom bot. You still cleared off angles with your nade, and now your team can follow up on that. That's not perfect execution, but there but there's a plan in place, and it did something, right? Now obviously you have rounds in which you don't get any of that, right? The instant you you swing the angle, somebody's way closer than you expected with, with an op, and just shoots you, and now you're dead. And then in that context, sure, having – well, I guess in that context, it doesn't matter what the fuck your utility is because you're dead. Yeah. But then having other agents who've got more reactive utility could benefit you in that, oh, fuck, we got literally nothing. We just got immediately rushed down. We're, we're now reeling, and we need to come up with something to try to, to try to save this round. And, like, I understand what you're talking about in terms of, like, the, the fully – or the more reactive kinds of effects of your utility. And like, and for the record, don't get me wrong. I, I, I fully agree that an agent who has both, both aspects of this or sits more along the middle of being very, or has the ability to be very proactive and also has the ability to be very effective in a reactive manner, I do think are the strongest. I'm yeah, not trying so to that, that's where you, That's where you get your, your jet, your chamber, your KO your viper your like your rays right all of those have a combination of proactive and reactive utility and they are the most fucking meta agents in the game I would yeah and if you go back viper. to before the rays uh sorry before the jet nerfs her dash was much stronger reactively than proactively like sure you could smoke and dash onto site which you can still do now which is proactive but the big problem is that you could see someone get off one shot and then just dip for free, which is purely reactive. And that was the issue. So I can definitely see where you're coming from that maybe the proactive part of this is the more important aspect, but you are still becoming the most meta if you have both. Right? So it's like the proactive is what you're looking for first glance, but then you become a very good agent if you are able to use it in a reactive manner as well. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm not like, I can't, I can't argue with that. I, I just feel like I've been seeing this trends toward like a trend towards proactive utility. Well, that's just watching European Valorant. I don't know. Like <laughs> EMEA is just like, oh, let's let's strat them all out, set up plays, traps, you know what, it, right? 
and yeah, I mean I, it, I it's like, good. I feel like trap plays are a bit different, and like unfortunately, very hard to make use of those in ranked play. Well, yeah, you. I mean, you can't except if you're that one team that played me on Breeze a couple of weeks ago, where I was like, "What the fuck." I talked about that on one on one episode where I was like, this is the most coordinated shit I've ever seen in my life in a fucking yeah. ranked game. I still I still think about that round and I'm like, this is not possible. Nobody did this to me. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> great. Okay, hold on, just real quick, going back to the um the the B site uh plan that we're talking about. I just saw an educational post for uh Pearl B plant or B site lineup for when your teammates plant like silvers. Yeah, exactly. At default. <laughs> um <laughs> that that's really funny. But also I just love that the you're fucking scrolling through Reddit at the same time as being on the podcast. <laughs> well this is wait, how how the fuck do you think I come up with podcast topics? Anyway, I mean, talking about uh about about European Valorant. Mm-hmm. Um the fucking lamest team possible won the most recent tournament, which, uh... Lamest team possible? I don't know really? if it's the lamest team possible, but it's definitely not... Definitely wasn't a cool team, in my opinion. I mean, I think it's the lamest team possible, but mostly because all of... Like... My my three teams that I was like, I really want these teams to do well, right? PRX. Fanatic. Optic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were all at the top. All three taken yeah. out by this lame-ass FPX. <laughs> all three eliminated back-to-back-to-back by FPX. How the fuck do you lose a best-of-five in which you get two bans? I mean, the, when the other team is better. <laughs> yeah, like, Loud like, got 3 would in the last tournament. Remember that? Loud had two yeah, bands yeah. and Optic 3 would them. How the fuck do you... Yeah, but I'm an NA, I'm an NA guy, so I, I get to, like... But you know, you're like, yeah, that's dope. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's just Optic shitting on them. Like, hey, that happened. But, like, how the L-L-L. fuck <laughs> do, you, do you lose a best of five with two bands? Well, I mean, to answer the question more seriously, um, you know, first of all, I was rooting for PRX. I absolutely love their style of play. But I think that as the playoffs went on, they were really two teams that elevated themselves in terms of their uh, execution, their aim and clutch moments, and their team play, their their uh, agent compositions, their strats, you know, bringing it all together. And those were PRX and FPX. Like, the difference, the gap between those two teams and then Fnatic and Optic, I think is massive because both FPX and PRX beat Fnatic and Optic uh, fairly comfortably. And then I think the gap between, you know, FPX and PRX, because like Cass said, because of the map bands, is fairly significant as well. It's FPX, PRX, and then Fnatic, Optic under them. And those are some pretty clear tiers just based on this one tournament. I'm not saying it's going to stay that way. But um, at the end of the day, I think I think what it came down to is that FPX just came like they weren't necessarily this way in groups when they were missing Sujetsu or at the beginning of playoffs when they were kind of like, you know, getting their team back together. 
but in the last couple games that FPX played, the amount, like, they had just the best pure aimer team in the whole tournament in terms of the amount of players they had who could hit rifle headshots consistently. And that would that to me was the deciding factor. That I mean, the deciding factor just for once... FPX was to get yeah, to. yeah, well, get yeah, to, like... but also Shao. I don't. Oh, I don't think okay. you could leave Shao no, no. out of this Sha- conversation. Shao, either. you absolutely can't. Obviously, but Shao, yeah. Shao became the Marved of this tournament, and that he did more no... than Marved has ever done. I'm uh, sorry. No, no, Shao, Shao, <laughs> yes. and and Marved in Iceland, pretty pretty similar level, I think, but. I, I don't know exactly nah, what the stats dude. The say. number of 1BXs that Chow pulled Chow off. went fucking nuts yeah. in this tournament. Yeah, yeah. But dude, Sugetsu is just a fucking demon. Yeah, Sugetsu just he went is. off he too. Is. And it's like, like as soon as Sugetsu came in and they were able to play with him, it was like, okay, win, 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 win. Right? Like, <laughs> it was dude, right. dude, like, oh, you want to get onto the site? Nah. Like, well, they literally didn't lose with Sugetsu, right? Because they the first game against Fnatic, Sugetsu wasn't in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, yeah, like, it, three, it was four. just like, yeah, Sugetsu yeah. joins literally, and we win the he tournament. Just, like he just rocked up onto the server, just cracked his knuckles, and just like <laughs> sat down and was just like, y'all can't come here. Wherever here is just depends on where I am. But wherever I am, you just can't be there. Yeah, and I'll say, Cats, like, that's, that's, whether you look at just Sugetsu or the, you know, Shao as well, I think that's your answer. The fact of the matter is that FPX consistently out-aimed PRX in, across the series, and particularly in Map 5, Breeze rewards, you know, aim more than most maps, and also, it seemed like there might have been some fatigue from PRX. They were pointing out they hadn't played a Map 5 in over a year, and it just seemed like they were missing some shots, even at close range, that they were hitting earlier in the series. F- FPX just out aimed them. Out aimed. Yeah, them. they they were unfortunately mi- missing a lot of shots um, in that series. Yeah. Like overall, not even just in map five. Um, which just fucking sucks, man. I PRX, I I fucking love them, and so they, they're the real winners of this tournament in my mind. Such Be- a cool team. <laughs> Yeah, because God, Jing and Forsaken. I've I've been talking about them for a long time, but fuck, I love them so much. They've mm. like they they actually make a tournament for me. Of like just watching oh, yeah. PRX play is the best part of any tournament. Other than yeah, maybe an overtime game versus like in Fnatic and Leviathan, like. <laughs> yeah, so I I actually didn't get to watch a ton of the uh, the games leading up. I I did see all. Well, I saw four out of five maps of the finals. And you uh, saw some of PRX versus Optic, because you were telling me yeah, that Yeah, I did. Well, I, so, like, I saw... Well, okay, so I saw a couple games here and there off, like, replay. Or, like, after the VODs went live. But, like, I knew the results at that point. Like, the finals was the only one that, like, I really got to properly watch live. Yeah. Um, Because while I was here, like, in Vancouver... Uh, the games all happened in, during my work hours. Like, I was at work for all of them. Uh, and then when I was back in the States, I was out doing stuff uh, while the games were going on. Um, but, so I didn't I didn't get to see a ton of the games live, but it, it, it seemed like in the finals, I feel like Forsaken specifically did did not show up in the capacity that they needed him to. No, he flopped. 
it, it seemed like there were a lot of situations where it's like, dude, you should have gotten one. You should have at least gotten one. There were a ton um, of situations, unfortunately, especially on the Oru. When he was playing the Oru, it was like there were times when you were like, fuck, Forsaken is getting absolutely zero value. And that is a lot to how FPX played. Like, that is to FPX's credit that yeah. they were shutting down his aggressive playstyles, like on the on Breeze specifically. Um, like, all of his teleports, there would just be somebody watching them. Every single time it seemed that he would try to teleport somewhere, somebody was ready for it. They saw it come in. They were watching that angle, and they were ready. As soon as he teleported there, they knew it was coming, and they, they shot him in the head. That happened yeah, over and, and over and over and over. Yeah, and there were some opportunities there that I think PRX might be able to capitalize on going forward when it comes to, like, counter-counter-stratting. Because there was one round in particular where he had gotten onto uh, uh, B-site of Breeze, and he sent his TP all the way into Defender Spawn. And it went all the way towards like a side defender spawn, and there was there was a uh, Sova who I think was Shao. Oh uh, yeah, from yeah was, Shao like, just Shao followed like, him yeah. for like thirty he, seconds. Yeah, 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 and he didn't end up using that TP. Yeah, so they like won the round. They, they won did, that round. They did win that well, round. Well, re- regardless of how the round ended, I didn't remember whether they won or not. You know, if you can throw your TP out and then take one opponent out of the fight for thirty seconds, like that's a massive win, and I think that. You know, obviously that's us seeing it, knowing that happened. He probably didn't know at all that that's what had occurred. But, like, there's some oppor- – I, I think part of it was just that FPX did such a great job preparing and, and against, like, the APAC teams. It seems like PRX tends to stomp them, so they're not used to people being as prepared for the Yoru. But I think there are some opportunities there to go to the next level with the Yoru strats against a team that's more prepared for the basic stuff. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, FPX just did it in such a lame way. You know, they even the casters were discussing it during the final, like, during the finals. It was, like, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, FPX Classic, they're, they're going to wait for, like, a minute here in spawn. They're not going to give them anything. And, like, Jing and Forsaken are, like, you know, trying to p- aggressively push, and they're just set up for it. Like, they're still defaulting. Any information that they might gain is just useless because they're still in spawn. Like... And that's really smart is like any of that aggressive push, right? If you can shut it down and they get no information out of it because you haven't actually executed anywhere yet, then that's ideal for FPX. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, Yeah. I was going to say that, that just like, yeah, what you're, what you're talking about there, I noticed most on Icebox and that just reminded me of that one game that Kevin IGL'd for us on Icebox, which like we started off just getting stomped and then on attacker side, we literally held back in spawn, going nowhere for, like, the first minute of the round. And then when the round timer hit 45 seconds, we'd make a move towards one site. And, like, we ended up making a huge comeback on that on that map. Like, off of basically the exact strategy that FPX pulled out there. Yeah, no, it, it was very good, and it was able to shut down their aggression yeah. really well. It's just it it sucks because it's not as interesting to watch. I I, I do agree. It, it's it's kind of lame. I want to see people teleport in as Yoru and get three kills. You know. Yeah, but you know how you make yeah that playstyle more valid. What? You revert the jet nerfs. <laughs> no, be, because they, <laughs> oh god, they've been doing it without jet. 
you know, Jing is Jing is the raise, and fucking Jing's raise is amazing. Um, yeah. Like when I ever when I think of raise and, and Cass, you complain about how lame raise is to watch. I like mine just immediately goes to Jing, and I'm like, fuck, raise is amazing to watch. Like oh, the yeah. way that he fucking yeah. plays. Uh, I don't remember who it was against. Um, but the way that PRX played on Ascent, and specifically Jing, in like one of the earlier, yeah, they games, usually ban Ascent. I I don't remember which game it was uh, precisely, but fuck, it was insane. Like Jing was just in places that nobody ever expected. Like constantly. Oh, fuck. Yes, yes, yes. It was against. Uh, it was against Fnatic. Okay, it was the Fnatic game. Yeah, yeah um, it was against Fnatic. I know what you're talking about. It and, was when he was just blast packing into like tiles. Oh yeah. He was bla- like he would blast pack into tiles through mid, and they would be caught with like three people with utility out still trying to execute on like through garage, and they'd be like, "Oh, no way that anybody is gonna be there within the first two seconds of the round." But then there's Jing on top of the fucking wall and links, and then yeah. uh, like uh a smoke in uh long on a site yeah that yeah, jing that, so cool. that jing just blast thing. packs on top of the hot pings three people and you spray yeah. down through the smoke like holy shit that was super within cool. the first like second of the round this was happening mm-hmm. and that's just so much fun to watch man like yeah i don't I, I wish there was a way to for riot to like disincentivize prx's gameplay because I will say, it, or not PRX, uh, fucking FPX. <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm about to throw hands. With yeah, you guys. What you, yeah. Uh, no, no, no. No, like, uh, the names are just too similar. But like FPX's gameplay is just fucking boring. And goddamn, it's, it's good. Like, it's yeah. it's so good. It's really fucking effective. <laughs> but I wish it wasn't. Well, I will uh, say, I, see, the thing is, it's it's boring from like a oh wow they're just sitting in spawn perspective, but like. At the same time, strategically, it still is somewhat interesting because what it means, you know, the fact that FPX is sitting back for so long means that PRX has essentially scared them with their early aggression. And if they wait, you know, 45 seconds and then go in, that's a lot of time that now they don't have as attack to adapt if their initial sight hit doesn't go as planned. So the fact of the matter was throughout the series... Their sight hits did go as planned, and their aim was incredible, so they made a lot of situations that weren't ideal work out in their favor. But at the end of the day, if you take teams that are playing at a more similar level in terms of aim, if you just give the defense 45 seconds free, where they decide, okay, they've been countering our pushes, so we're not going to do them, and they're still like, oh, they might push, let's wait. Like, you're screwing yourself. So... You know, yeah, I I, well, I still see that strategy adaptation as somewhat of a, a win for PRX. Okay, well, one of the one of the things that I noticed is when it came down towards end of the round situations, and now th- this might have to do with the fact that obviously when we're watching, we we have like omniscient perspective in terms of we know everything that's going on, but like it it, it seems like that that Paper X didn't quite figure out the fact that they were just constantly just huddled up at spawn, doing nothing, going nowhere. And, like, even if you have an inclination that, like, the other team is doing this, like, they they, they burned a lot of utility early, like, within those 45 seconds at the start of the round. Yeah. Like, Paper there, there were... Yeah. Paper there were yeah. so many circumstances where, like, they'd be left in a... 
a 3v like a 3v3 or like a 2v2 but the two people on on paper x's side had no utility left and fpx has full utility because they didn't exact onto site until yeah and fpx didn't do, didn't in, do yeah. shit and just held back so they still got a lot of utility to work with like it, it, it seemed like on like two fpx's credit this is it, it, it makes a lot of sense to do it's just like it seemed like they were were very effective at burning out paper x's utility such that they didn't have it come later on in the round yeah no no like i i i'd like to see you know i i don't even know how you how riot goes about changing the meta to make it more of a a w key meta than like a no key meta Cass, I think you answered your own question, which is that there is no change from Riot required. It's that, you know, Paper X goes back to reviewing this game, and if we're talking about them specifically, they notice, oh shoot, we're, we wasted utility early round, and they just hold on to their utility a bit longer. But I want them to waste their utility early round. That's you the like- difference. I, well, want, here's, here's the I, thing, want, right? I don't want them to waste here's- it. I want them to use it off fucking barrier yeah. drop and get well, massive effect out of it. Well, here, uh, here's my point, right? If PRX, if PRX takes one game, they don't push, and then FPX, um, you know, does their strategy of holding back in spawn, PRX holds onto their utility, and then FPX executes, assuming that PRX, that, uh, PRX on the defense is sound in their defensive approach, then FPX just loses the majority of the rounds. Because if you just burn half the time doing nothing on offense then you give yourself so little options but, and you give okay. a massive edge to the defense. But, so after one game of that happening, then FPX would have to abandon that strategy. If PRX takes lessons away from this and plays, like Cass was saying, adapts to that adaptation of their strategy, then FPX's strategy is just a bad strategy, and then they have to stop doing that. They okay, have to start I, I, doing different things early in the round. Okay, I, I don't think it works like that because you can't discount somebody just just contacting up into you right like like if a team is going to just no noise contact into you on a site hit you're better off having your utility preemptively there like you're better off having that smoke down so that when they do contact into you they'd have to push through a smoke and then they probably don't want to just do that so then they have to burn a flash and maybe they flash off the angle Maybe they don't, but like, you number one, you got them to burn a flash getting through that smoke. Number two, that's a tell on where they are. Whereas if you place no utility, right, and just be like, oh, yeah. I'm just stand here and hold the angle. Now, now you're running this risk of they could just contact up into us, and as you pointed out, they were hitting shots. They were hitting shots. Yeah, you're going absolutely. up against teams just fucking clicking heads. I don't, I feel like I wouldn't want to be in the position of, oh, I'm just going to let them contact into me. Well, Cass, I feel like Like, you just made a massive straw man there because first of all, like the options, the option isn't all utility or no utility. The option is something in between, particularly if you have an Astra or an Omen, you can smoke some stuff off early in the round while still keeping utility for later in the round. And then secondly, the, the whole idea of, oh, well, they might contact into you. That's why you don't stand in the middle of the site just watching the unsmoked entryway, hoping, oh boy, I sure hope someone doesn't contact into me and aim diff me. 
Like, you know, it comes down to timings and how you peak. Like, there's a lot more you can do besides just, you know, sitting there playing Angry Birds on your phone while you wait to see if someone contacts into you. I mean, well, the other the other real problem with with this, like, you know, PRX deciding to, like, hold a lot of their utility back is that uh, Forsaken only has the W key on his keyboard. This is true. This is true. Like... So many fucking rounds, it'd be like Forsaken would take some space on the site, you know, like a like a duelist would do. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, but he's still going. Why is he still going? Like they have site. Why the fuck is he? He's pushing. Holy yeah, shit, he's pushing. Like yeah, you know, yeah. And like, and yeah, you're it, like, it, oh my god, he's in their fucking spawn. Like there's no reason for him to be there. It, it did seem like they 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 overcooked a bit in that regard. Which is like yeah. that's also what you who, love. What what I loved is he at least. Yeah, yeah, and like mm. as someone who watches a bunch of NA, but not other regions, it's something that um, uh, that Sentinels in their current lackluster form have been heavily criticized over, like ten specifically, mm. is just overcooking, um, or overheating, and just like being like, oh, I just hit a nasty shot on this guy entering site. I'm gonna keep going, and like I can't say I'm not guilty of that myself when I'm playing. I definitely do that. Like, yo, like you enter into a site, get like a nice little two K, and you're like, "Fuck up, stick." I should push spawn. Yeah, and then you just walk into three people and you're untradeable. There's a significant um, difference, I think, between PRX and and Sentinels here, though, and the difference is that the difference like, is that one is garbage well, and one yeah. just has the red bottle. Okay, okay, there's. <laughs> There's a couple major differences, but what I was going to bring up is that, like, the way that Tens overcooks, or the people on Sentinels will overcook in the way that you were saying, Cass, is that they will take a fight, win the fight with, like, a nasty shot, and then take another fight, right? And that is expected of an overcook, right? Of, like, oh, you know, like, we're because the, the other team is going to attempt trade. That is, like, fundamental... Play, like tactical shooter right you're set up for the trade the other team is set up so that if you hit a nasty flick on them there's another player there to try to get the trade on them and that fucks sentinels a lot and fucks tens when he overcooks and tries to go for more than he should right the difference with forsaken going into sight is that he'll hit that nasty flick and he won't do what's what's expected right he will subvert expectations of the other team and W key farther. Yes. There's a <laughs> significant difference there. Is that it's not the overcooking in the fact of taking another duel immediately. Or like trying to get both of the people when you, you should just go out. like Or like teleport out or something. It is the like pushing further and be like getting into a spot where nobody would expect you to realistically be. I, on that note, though, I will say FPX was definitely the best team in the entire tournament at consistently getting trades. Oh, they like, like they, their they, fundamentals they, were on point. Like they yeah, just they, like oh yeah, they, they consistently undermined all of the insane plays that other teams were making by just effectively trading out their team. It's like oh shit, you guys had this really sick play that puts my teammate in the middle of butt fuck nowhere dick in hand and you you made you like you guys dumped a lot of utility you got a really nice pick off that 
wouldn't it be a shame if I just click you in the head now? And now we're just back to four <laughs> on four. Like they, they, they just did an insane job of in the moment just being like, yeah, just basically just trading out their team. Like the, the exact way the, the theoretical tactical FPS plays out is, oh, my teammate died. Let me kill the guy that killed him. And like they, they yeah. did that to a level that was like almost unbelievable while watching that grand finals. It was like it was almost mind-boggling how like through through all the chaos, through all the smokes, through all the flashes, through stuns, that like it did not matter. They they just reliably traded out their team so fucking effectively. Yeah, I mean that is really impressive and that's like uh I mean good example of just, you know, for foresight and like planning out your strategies and doing really well on the fundamentals and basics of the game, right? Like they absolutely outperformed I think everybody else at the tournament. So I think that it's valid that they won the tournament. Like I'm I'm good for them, obviously. But I mean something I was going to bring up earlier when Hunter was saying, you know, like you know, they, it's really about the strategy and you can appreciate the strategy um, is I, I was talking to Cass about this uh, when the tournament started is there was a quote from plat chat and I, I don't remember who exactly said it. It could have been Bala probably. Um, but honestly, fuck, I don't know. Their voices blend together. Um, or he was like, I used to appreciate Valorant, like watching games. I can understand how everything goes, goes down and the strategies. I really appreciated Valorant. But Paper X makes me love Valorant. Oh, that was Sideshow. And it was just like, fuck yeah, that is exactly how I think about it, right? Like, it's like, yeah, you can appreciate how well FPX has thought out and performed in this tournament. But fuck, I love watching Paper X play. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, but how do you? Yeah, and one thing that that uh, goes back to what you're saying about the uh, overcooking that I I got to hear while watching a stream. Uh, first of all, this is going to be a unsponsored plug here. Uh, Actually, Mel... hold on, Hunter, real quick. Um, yeah, I realized when I first started using that term that that's the wrong term. It's overheating. You're right. You're right. <laughs> overcooked is a game. <laughs> overcooked yeah, is yeah. a fucking I great I game. It, it is a great game. If you guys don't know Overcooked, you guys should absolutely play that game. It's a blast. Um, but no, I, I just realized, right. yeah, yeah, it, it is overheating. And I realized uh, I wasn't sure when to jump in about this, but it seemed like that would be a good time. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I just was using Overcooked, not really thinking about it. Yeah, because it's because I it. said and it first. I'm, I'm the one who fucked up on the onset. Overcooking sounds cool, though. Like, yeah, I feel no, like I good. like that just as much as overheating. I feel like they're synonymous. Um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so uh, Mel from the absolutely dominant C9 White uh, girls team, she does co-streams for the uh, – well, she at least did co-streams for this last VCT. I don't know how, how often she does. And her co-streams were incredible because, first of all, she's just very funny and entertaining. But also she had like a, a software up where she would like – like a, a major sports commentator – she would literally draw on the screen over top of the map, over top of replays and stuff, and explain different strategies. She'd be, like, watching around develop and, like, predict. Like, okay, well, this is what should happen. Like, this is what will happen. Like, 
there's a lot of analysis that was beyond what you would get from the uh, mainstream because the mainstream has like, you know, half of half of the commentator, you know, there's two commentators. One of them is going to be developed to the, is going to be dedicated to the play-by-play and the other one is the color. And she was like all color plus like a really analytical approach to it. So her stream was really fun. But one of the things she said relating to overheating was she said, it seems like on, on PRX, like their strategy is once you get two kills in a round, you are then permitted to int the rest of the round. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I love that. And I thought like, I kind of feel the same way when I'm playing a game. Like if I get two kills, sometimes I feel like, oh boy, you know what? I'm just going to, I already got my two. I'm going to push for another. You're like I've and done my die, job. Like, it's my team's fault if we lose this round now. Yeah, well, that, that's, well, the, that's what that's I feel the... like. And then I die and I was like, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Well, that's, but, the, that's the, I yeah. got mine mentality. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it's it's more of an in the moment thing. Like, I don't yeah, think yeah, yeah. like logically, if I get two kills, then I can just throw my life away. But in the moment, I sometimes don't think about you know what I should still play with my team and Yo, be but safe. Fuck, dude, here if I got if advantage. I got four kills, I'm a fucking in. Well, that's well, that's, that's fair. Different. Four is different than two by <laughs> yeah. a lot. No, but like, yeah. I I get that. I see that a lot in in ranked and especially. I mean, I I kind of get the mentality of the I got mine if you get a few kills. Right, like as often I'll go back and I don't know if I, if I love tracker or hate tracker, but at the bottom, you know, when you look at the scoreboard, it'll show how many kills you got in that round, like yeah, each round, and you're like, "Fuck, I got three kills and we still lost that fucking round." And you're like, "What do I gotta do? Get all five? Like that's the I got mine mentality, and I I notice that sometimes when I'm like, "Fuck, like I can't think like that. Just do better, you know? Like maybe I do need to get all five. Just fucking do it, and we'll win the fucking round, you know? Like that's I, I don't yeah, know. Chase. My, but my you ever have those rounds where you get all is... five and you still lose? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All five and you still lose yeah. because you are Reyna lurking on the other side. Oh, you got five yeah. kills after. Yeah, no. Yeah, sorry, Hunter, what you, you were saying? Your yeah. opinion on Tracker? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, my opinion on Tracker is pretty similar to the person I'm seeing her opinion on nicotine at this point. She's uh, given up on given up nicotine in air quotes, but, like, every time I'm there, she hits my vape all the time. Similar to me with Tracker. I'm like, ah, uh, I don't want to be associated with, like, paying attention to Tracker like while I'm playing, it seems like a bad idea. But every time one of my like people I'm like squatted up with as tracker, I'm like, yo, yo, uh, what are the ranks? Of the yeah, team? <laughs> I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the same situation there. That's the Big Tony mentality. If you don't know Big Tony, uh, that that's how he's the same way with mm-hmm. uh, with nicotine specifically as well. So <laughs> oh, 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 I see. I thought you yeah. were going to say tracker because he also uh, plays Mallory. Uh, uh, yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. I like I I. I, I tried installing Tracker and having it because, like, you know, when you hover over the scoreboard, it shows you how many kills you got in each round as, like, the timeline goes on and whatnot. Um, it, it, it fucked with my frames per second, so I got rid of it. Um, <laughs> Cass has a weird computer that's kind of old. It's finicky, to say the best, or to say yeah. the least. Um, but I feel like, yeah, the, the I got my mentality completely... It just does not work. Now, there are isolated scenarios in which I entry onto site, and I get the space, and I get the kill, and then I get traded out, and I'm like, yo, like, I I, I fucking did my job, you know? 
Like, yeah. Like, like this one's now on you. Like, please finish it off. Um, well, if you did your job like, and you died in the process of doing that, I think that's different than uh, overcooking. Oh, yeah, no, 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 for sure. But, like, no, just in terms of, like, the I got mine mentality. Um, I feel like that falls apart completely on defense. Like, it doesn't, like, I, I feel like the, the I got mine mentality can work a lot better on offense, offense yeah. as, yeah, like, definitely. an actually effective strategy, right? It's like, I got in, I got a kill, I got traded. Yeah, on defense, I feel like I got mine can only work if you have minimum three kills. Because the yeah, thing is, yeah, if you're exactly. on a site and they and the offense goes two for one in trading you in trading you out to get to site, that can be pretty reasonable for the offense. If you get three kills, then you've got yours. Two, yeah, like, not really cutting it. Yeah. I was gonna say, I feel like you could you can go with the I got mine philosophy when exactly as Hunter was saying, you're solo anchoring a site, they all five burst out and you get three. Yeah. At that yeah. Point, just be like, you know what? Like, I, I got mine. Like, y'all can win the rest. You, of this you can four v two retake this. That that's yeah, exactly. doable. Yeah, uh, yeah. But a four v three retake is like, uh, okay. Well, they could be set up really well on site. You know, exactly. Yeah. Four v retake is probably we should just save the op. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true opera right there. Oh, the four man save on a man advantage. <laughs> Everyone has ops. You gotta save them all. Yeah, I will say during the um uh, during Copenhagen, I I did see a team take like like a, a a save where they had man advantage. Um, and obviously having the omniscient perspective where I can see how the enemy team is set up, I'm like, yo, that was the right fucking call. Wait, do you... oh, are you omniscient? You didn't you didn't say yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, omnipotent. You you've moved away from this term. Let's go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's improvement right there. Uh, but yeah, it was just like, it was like, I was watching that and I'm like, I would not have made that call in your position, but like, it looked like it was absolutely the right call. And fuck dude, I wish I knew which game it was and which round it was because I remember seeing that and I'm like, whoever is IGLing right now just made the hero is call and they have no idea, but they're going to go back and watch over this map, presumably. And just be like, that was a really good choice. I feel like it was fanatic versus paper X and fanatic saved. Mm. I don't remember um, the round, but I feel like that was the game. I don't, it was this. Somebody was in the most ridiculous lurk and was just going to like shoot three people in the back as they rotated over. And then, like, yeah, like there was just no way of fucking knowing that they were there. It could have been Forsaken with the Order TP. I don't fucking remember. Um, yeah. But like, I just remember just watching that, and being like, "That's a hero fucking call." Like, you had you had no way of knowing how much of a good decision this was, and it seems like it's something that's like a really fucking hard choice to make. Like, yo, we've got man advantage on retake. We should not even attempt this. For sure. Um, but yeah, I, in general, I gotta kind of be getting to bed here. So like, we wrap this guy up? Yeah, I think that, that's yeah, probably good. Yeah, a cu- couple things, if I could throw them out real quick. No. First of all, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Chase, that, that's going to be cut out from the podcast, don't worry. Um, okay. Chase will be happy to hear this part, though, um, which is that I just got to say, 
it was an incredible run by Paper X. Like I was just looking through before Grand Finals, Paper X lost a total of one map, which was to Optic, uh, in playoffs versus FPX, who lost five, <laughs> which is a, which is a pretty insane difference, and it shows how well like FPX powered up through the tournament. So respect to FPX, but also respect to Paper X for an incredible run, and I'm really curious to see how they adapt. Yeah. Any thoughts on that, real quick? Uh, yeah. just 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 fuck you, laggy. I told you. Um, obviously, my my pickums my my pickums were a little bit uh, were a little bit off, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> but I I really I should have had my my gut going with paper racks all the way. Um, yeah, I said DRX is gonna go all the way, which uh, yeah, yeah, that was a terrible so take, terrible, yeah. terrible take. Uh, I was listening well, they, to they the episode really the other day, and I was like, what the fuck. <laughs> They always uh, look good at groups, then disappoint in playoffs. So they're they're like the Cowboys. They never beat any team. Like they never upset anybody. That's the whole thing with DRX, is they look really good against teams that are obviously worse than them. And then anytime they go up against somebody, they're like, oh, this might be a good map. They just get fucking rolled. Yeah. Um. But no, Hunter. What I was gonna say though is, um, FPX started off the tournament without their full team. So. Well, yeah, obviously they you can, did. You which... can, yeah, it's like, I feel like those map losses are just like... Well, the first two against Fnatic, they didn't have their full team. But, yeah, yeah, but then going against Guild, the remaining three map losses, they did have their full team. Right. It, like, they so they, they like... still lost three maps to Paper X's one, leading up to Grand Finals. Yeah, but then Paper X lost three maps to Grand Finals. Like... Yes, I'm saying before Grand Finals. I'm talking about the runs <laughs> up to Grand Finals. Obviously, FPX was better significantly in the Grand Finals. I'm how not the, debating that. How the fuck do you leave? Well, it still went the five. Grand Finals. The Grand yeah. Finals went to Map Five. Yeah, I, when when Paper X got to ban their perma ban and also ban FPX's best map. Well, uh, like, like what, how, how, do you, yeah, how do you lose that? Because FPX, we already covered this. Well, since we already covered this, let me conclude with the last thing I wanted to mention, which is before it gets too, you know, in the past, I wanted to check up on the poll channel real quick. Um, so first of all, Mercified said, I've heard quite a bit that the new Ascendant rank should inflate a lot of people's ranks. And I was wondering how many ranks people went up after the new rank came out. Uh, one rank would be silver one to silver two, not like a whole, you know, color difference. Um, and six people said, well, sorry, five people said went that da- they went down. Uh, seven said they stayed. I need to subtract one. I, I don't, I'm messing this up. Okay, so five went down. Six stayed the same. Uh, three went up two ranks, and one went up three ranks. So it seems like in our server in particular the boost of the new ranks being added hasn't really been a thing yet, which is kind of interesting because Chase was saying the same thing earlier. I'd like to see that now because I feel like this was like a a week or two ago when this was posted. And at that point, I think a lot more people were still below their, their old rank, but I see a a lot of ago, but yeah. (laughs) Okay. But a a lot of people now have gotten significantly above um, where they were last act and me not included because I'm still below my last act rank. But yeah, uh, I think that that poll now would be a very different result. 
Mm. It might I'm be. Still, it might be. I'm still waiting for my my double rank up that like I'm gonna get when yeah, I yeah I I I got that and I'm still below my old <laughs> rank. <laughs> I still can't believe how salty I was when Chase and I were both on our rank up game. We played a game together and I ranked up while Chase double ranked up. <laughs> I was like, damn. Bruh, that's impressive. Good for Chase. But yeah, also, Hunter, Hunter did better than me in that game, too. <laughs> he was above I me. Did, I didn't even board. remember that part. Yeah. <laughs> and then for the so for the next poll, are you annoyed that you're not on Breeze and the teammate buys a marshal while playing any agent other than Jet or Chamber in the round after winning Pistol? This is a very specific poll in reference to me and Cass's debate in episode 35. I was saying I am annoyed, and Cass was saying he supports it. Uh, in this case, people sided heavily with Cass. Um, two people said that they am, that they are annoyed, whereas fourteen people said that they're okay with it. So Cass uh, wins that one handily. Um, and then finally, the last poll isn't actually even a poll because I said on the podcast that I had a more impressive lucky op shot. I just had a luckier op shot than Cass. I threw my clip in the clips and the Val clips channel. Cass never did, and so by no contest, I win as having the more <laughs> uh, lucky op shot. So, uh, easy dubs, no poll required on that one. Well, so, there you have it. That fair, includes fair. Poll. Yeah, I don't hit lucky op shots. Cass I doesn't look at the Discord is really the problem here. Well, yeah, I mean, you awesome. talked about it on the pod. You're like, oh, I got some ones that are luckier than yours. I've seen yours. Mm. And then you proceeded to not put any in, and I you know, yeah, won yeah, yeah. by default. So, I'm feeling pretty good about that. No, because I, I thought about it, and I was like, nah, that was skill. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, that no-scope from, like, uh, nest to uh, attacker spawn on Breeze. Yeah, skill. Yeah, do you guys not have a seed counter running in, like, your top right corner? Yeah. <laughs> like, I know what seed I'm on when I, when I hit the left click. Okay, dream. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great reference. Yeah. Is that the Minecraft guy? Yeah. Nice, I got that reference. And it would have been you know cool if the... you didn't explain it, but you know. <laughs> well, I didn't know if I got the reference or not. Yeah. I had to verify. <laughs> great, great. Well, I think that's that's all. I just wanted to throw yeah. that stuff out real quick. Cool, cool. Okay, as always, final final words. Yeah, as always, join the Discord. Come talk to us. I want to do more customs, but we say that fucking every week and we never do. Except for right before this podcast, we did some fun custom shit. So, uh, you know. Yeah, like I said, we hopefully we're going to be doing it more soon. Yeah, yeah, we just, we've been all over the place. Um, yeah, final thoughts, the Bahamas were sick, so I don't really care. I wasn't on the podcast, you know. <laughs> I, I didn't feel left out at all, you know, especially when, when Cast and Hunter were talking about how they were the original two, like, thought about yeah. it all. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> 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 oh no, we, we we missed it. We missed you though. Straight up. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's just me fishing right now. So, all right. Uh, and with that, we will drink with you later. <laughs>